One of the things I love about Christmas is uh, I start to think about all of uh, the childhood memories. And one of the ones that I shared at the beginning of uh, the month uh, was about how I, you know, would try to find the presents that my parents were getting for me. I would shake them under the tree to try to figure it out. And there was one particular year where I really wanted a Barney doll. And um, I did everything to find that Barney doll to make sure my parents got me the doll. And they did because I found it. Um, But because I found it and ended up breaking something that was for my mom in the process of trying to find it, um, I didn't get to see that Barney for a year. Um, But one of the things I love is there's something about this season that uh, when you see the, the children and the kids, they have this sense of wonder and awe in them about the Christmas season. There's, there's nothing like it. And, and, and that's what I love. We were um, able to serve the community center um, in Farragut, the community center, and some of the kids. And uh, church, thank you for your generosity. We were able to bless over 50 kids with a Christmas gift. And, um, and it's incredible. But as we gave these kids a gift, it was to see the joy on their face. There's nothing like it. And there's one kid in particular, and um, I posted a picture of him um, on my Instagram, and um, his name is Kalik. And his smile was from ear to ear, overjoyed that he got this Lego Batman set. And, um, and it was amazing. But there's, there's something about that. And, and, um, and so we're celebrating a birthday this morning, and sometimes as a kid, you would want this extravagant cake uh, for your birthday. And so I, I thought about, man, if I was a kid and I could bring a cake to Jesus on his birthday, what kind of cake would I bring him? And so I, I decided that we found this cake last night. <laughs> and uh, this is the cake that I would bring to Jesus. And uh, for those of you who know me, you know that I love Whoppers. And uh, how amazing is this cake? So apparently, it is a strawberry shortcake with a marzipan bun. And uh, somebody explained to me what marzipan was. I, I had no context for what it was. The lady said it last night. And me, Tess, and Mary Beth and Jeb were with us. And we were just like, got no idea what marzipan is. Like, can we eat it? Um, but this is the cake that I would bring to Jesus. Isn't this awesome? Yeah. And uh, we're going to partake of this after the service. So if you want a, a slice of that. Um, you'll be able to grab a slice of that. Um, and, uh, and, uh, but what I wanted to do this morning is, uh, you know, in the Bible, there's a verse in Matthew where Jesus says, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Now, what he's saying, he's not saying that we're supposed to um, act like kids for the rest of our lives. But there are some things that are innate within kids that Jesus aspires us to always hold on to. The thing that I think about is as a kid, and our kids are in the room with us this morning um, because I I wanted them to be a part of this. um, But one of the things I think about a kid is that um, they are completely dependent on their parent. Completely dependent. And I wonder if when we get older we start to lose that sense of dependence or need for something bigger than us because we're older. 
And because of that, because we have this independence from, you know, our parents and we're experiencing this freedom, I wonder if that carries over into our spiritual life, that we start to depend less on God because we've learned to become independent. And there's this something that's innate within a child that is, is so quick to trust someone who's older than them, so quick to be completely dependent on their parent and the people around them. And there's so much that we can learn from children of what it means to have childlike faith so that we can enter the kingdom of God. And, um, and so what I wanted to do is I wanted to go through the Christmas story, but I wanted to do it a little bit differently. Um, what I'm going to do is take us through the Christmas story in the form of a children's book. Because I want us to really embrace when Jesus says, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I want us to, to adults, I need you to go with me this morning. And... Um, but I just want to read us the Christmas story, and then I'm going to give us three things, three things that I took away from the Christmas story this year that I pray we would leave um, encouraged and inspired and challenged to live with. And, um, and so I'm going to jump right in to this story called Jesus Calling, the story of Christmas. And you can actually follow along with me. They have the uh, pictures on the screen behind me. Thank you for technology when it works. And, um, and I love how this starts. This is what it says. It says, the Christmas story began long, long ago. Before the angel Gabriel told Mary she would have God's son, before the shepherds saw the angels and before the wise men saw the star, even before the sun and moon shone for the first time, before the first cows ever mooed, reading a kid's book, guys, <laughs> and, uh, and the first monkeys ever climbed. Before Adam and Eve took their first walk in the Garden of Eden, God had a plan for Christmas. From the beginning of time, God's plan was Jesus. Count the stars, God told Abraham. That's how many children will come from you and your family. When Abraham was 100, yes, 100, and his wife Sarah was 90, God gave them a baby boy named Isaac. This promised baby was a gift to the whole world because Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, Jacob had Joseph, Joseph had Judah, and on and on the family grew down to King David through many more generations and all the way to Jesus. For hundreds of years, God's prophets talked about the Savior who would come into the world to save everyone who believes in him. Isaiah said Jesus would be born of a pure young woman. Micah said the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. Hosea said that God would someday call his son out of Egypt. Everything happened just like they said it would. God's ways and timing are always perfect. God picked just the right time for Jesus to come to earth, and he picked just the right parents for him. A young girl named Mary was alone one day when an angel appeared right in front of her. She couldn't believe her eyes. Don't be afraid, Mary, said the gentle voice of God's angel, Gabriel. God is pleased with you. Soon you will have a baby boy. His name will be Jesus. Nothing is impossible for God. Mary trusted her Lord. I will do whatever God wants, she told Gabriel. Mary's fiance, Joseph, found out she was going to have a baby before they were married, and Joseph was worried. Joseph looks worried in that picture. <laughs> 
he, he, he looks, he, he, he looks really concerned. And, uh, and, uh, here's the thing, as I was reading this this week, I was reminded, man, pictures, they, they gotta get you into the story. And part of me is like, man, I just need to find a children's book for everything. Um, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The baby is from the Holy Spirit. Name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he obeyed God and did just what the angel commanded. And I would imagine by that concerned look on his face, he had no trouble obeying what the angel commanded. <laughs> no. Mary's cousin Elizabeth was very old when an angel told her husband Zechariah that they would have a son and that they were to name him John. John would tell people why they needed a savior and that the one to save them was Jesus. When Elizabeth had her baby, everyone celebrated with her and Zechariah. Then Zechariah said, you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Just before Mary was about to have her baby, Joseph had to travel to his hometown, Bethlehem, to pay taxes. Bethlehem was so full of people, there were no rooms left for them. A kind innkeeper said they could stay where he kept his animals. That night, Mary had her baby. God's son was born in a stable. In the stillness of the night, he came. God's gift of Christmas, the one who would save the world. His mother wrapped him in cloths and lovingly placed him in a manger. In nearby fields, shepherds were watching over their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord was shining around them. Do not be afraid, the angel said. I bring good news that will be great joy for all people. Today in Bethlehem, the city of David, the Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, Christ the Lord. Suddenly a great crowd of angels lit up the sky, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth and peace or, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. The shepherds ran quickly to find the baby Jesus. Then they told everyone about what they had seen and heard. Wise men from the east followed a bright shining star. They visited King Herod and asked, where's the young child, the king of the Jews? We saw his star and we have, be, we have come to worship him. King Herod was not happy. When you find him, tell me so I can worship him too. He lied. The star led the wise men straight to Jesus and they were filled with great joy. We have come to worship your son, they told Mary. They presented their treasure chest of gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and bowed down to worship him. God warned the wise men in a dream not to return to Herod, so they found a different route and set out on their journey home. The angel of the Lord also appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, you must escape to Egypt. Take the baby and his mother and go quickly. King Herod has devised a plan to try to kill Jesus. You must stay until I tell you to return. Joseph obeyed God immediately, and that night he took his little family and fled to Egypt for safety. After a while, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph again and said, Get up. You can safely go back to Israel. Joseph moves his family to a town called Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus grew up strong 
and wise. He taught people about God and his kingdom. Jesus loved people more than anyone who has ever lived on the earth. He died so that all the bad things we do can be forgiven and we can live forever with him in heaven. And so this Christmas, remember that God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to the world so that he could spend forever with you. Nothing is impossible for God. His miracles are everywhere. God always keeps his promises. He loves you more than you know. And God's glorious gift of Christmas is for you. How amazing is that? And, um, and so I just really quick want to give us three things that, you know, I took away from just the Christmas story this year. And, um, and, and you know, I was just asking God, God, what are you trying to speak to me this year? You know, we go through this story once a year. And uh, I was like, God, what, what is it that I can take from this story this year? And so I just want to give you three things really quick. And the first thing is faith. We heard an absolutely incredible message from our lead pastor, Paul Andrew, um, a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about what does it look like to have tenacious faith. And I believe that within every child is the innate ability to have tenacious faith. A child's uh, imagination and their willingness to believe that anything is possible yeah. is something that we should hold on to, yeah. that we should look at the kids around us and admire the belief that they have that anything is possible. Um, I believe I'm still a kid at heart. Um, you know, my wife, my wife calls me um, the dreamer in our house, and I just believe that anything is possible. You know, when we're thinking about certain services and different themes that we have throughout the year, my thing is like, okay, well, let's figure out how we can get a giraffe in the venue, uh, full-size, real-life giraffe. Um, and it's like, we can do it. We can do it. We'll just we'll get it here by boat, and then we'll we'll bring it. They can dock it in Red Hook, and we'll get a truck, and we'll we'll put it on the truck. We'll get it down here, and I just believe that anything is possible. Um, but let me tell you where I learned that from. I learned that from kids. I, I love being around kids um, because their belief it challenges me. They just believe that anything's possible. And in and, 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 and Hebrews 11, verse 1, it tells us that faith is being sure of what we hoped for and certain of what we can't see. And if you talk to a kid about what they're thinking about or, or how they see this thing that you're describing to them, you can't even comprehend it because your belief can't go there. Yeah. You're like, where are, you, where are you getting this from? But there's this innate ability within them to just believe that anything is possible. Uh, the late Billy Graham says this about faith, his definition of faith. Faith simply means believing that something is true and then committing our lives to it. In other words, faith has two parts to it. The first part is this. It's believing that something is true. So for us as Christians, as, as Christ followers, the first part of faith is saying that I'm going to believe who God says he is. And I'm going to believe what his word says he is. I'm going to believe who his word tells us that he is. And I'm going to believe who his word tells me that I am. That I am his son or I am his daughter. 
And the second part is, is, it's not just about believing, but it's about committing your life to it. And, and so in the, in the Christmas story, the birth of our Savior, Mary is, is, is met by this angel. Could you imagine being Mary and this angel comes to you and tells you that you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world? Crazy, <laughs> right? Especially because she's a virgin, I love kids, love kids, love you. But isn't, isn't that crazy? It's crazy because, like, could you imagine being in Mary's spot? But, but here's the thing, when I look at that story, there's something that, that I, I, I took away from it this year that, that it says about Mary and how she responded to the angel. And, and it, it shows us that Mary had this belief. It shows us that Mary didn't just have this belief in who God was and who his word tells us that he is, but she was willing to commit her life to it. Here's, here's what it says. It says, uh, Mary's response was, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And when I read that line this time, what it showed me was that Mary knew his word. Mary knew who the word said that God is. Mary knew the word that tells us what God wants to do. That Jesus was the plan all along. And so Mary, knowing who her God is, putting her full and complete belief in that, had faith to then commit her life to the call that Jesus had on her life. And I wonder for us in the room, kids and adults, what areas of our life are we choosing not to believe who his word says he is? And therefore, we're not able to commit our life to the thing that Jesus has called us to do. Faith. The second thing is hope. It is through the birth of Jesus, the arrival of of our Savior that all of humanity has now been given an eternal hope. And I say all of humanity because this hope isn't just for a select people. This hope wasn't just for uh, the, the intellectual people. It's not just for the religious people. It's not for the people who had it all together. But Jesus is the hope of the world. He's the hope for all of humanity. And how we see this hope is, is through how Jesus decides to communicate this message. As soon as he's born, who are the first people that the angel goes and announces it to? It's the shepherds. The shepherds. And so what we know about shepherds in this time is shepherds were a lowly, simple class of people. The NIV Cultural Backgrounds Study Bible. Man, that's a long name for a Bible. Uh, I abbreviated the National International, uh, the, the new, what, new International Version of it. So imagine that, New International Version, Backgrounds, Cultural Backgrounds Study Bible. It's an important Bible. 
But this is what it says. It says that most people of status throughout the empire, throughout that world they were living in, viewed shepherds as lowly and sometimes rough, unclean, or even dangerous. But despite their reputation, what did God do? God said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to announce it to them. I'm going to tell them about this hope that they can now have that is eternal. And what Jesus is doing is he's, he's saying that I am the hope of the world. Not just for this part of the world, not for just this group of people. But it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you're going through. This eternal hope is for you. It is for everybody. It's not an exclusive hope. Our God is not an exclusive God. But this is an inclusive, eternal hope that is for everyone. Jesus, the hope of the world, the hope for all of humanity. Christ, as complicated as it is for us to understand, all that he is, all that he's done for us, makes it simple for all to come to him. God loves all of us, and he sent Jesus, our Savior, to save us. The last thing is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which has been made famous by weddings all over the world. I've been at non-Christian weddings where that verse is read. And then I have a conversation with a couple afterwards. Hey, you guys know what that means? You guys reading that word? And they're like, no, nah, I got no idea. I just heard it at every wedding I've been to. Well, cool, let me share that with you then. Let me talk to you about it. And, uh, but it's been made famous by weddings. And it says this, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these things is love. The gift the world was given on that first Christmas, the gift that we were all given on that first Christmas, revealed something to the world that would forever change eternity. The gift revealed about the giver of that gift how much he loves us. It revealed to us that our creator, our father in heaven, out of his immense love for us and his desperate desire to be reconciled to us, said that I want to give my one and only son. I'm going to give birth to salvation. I'm going to give birth to an eternal hope, an everlasting hope. I'm going to give birth to a never failing, unchanging love. And he gave his son for you and for me. See, I think for many of us, it's easy for us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's easy for us to, to accept Jesus as a baby. We love a Savior is born, but I wonder how many of us have accepted Jesus as our King. And the only way that, that we can kind of get to that point is recognizing how madly in love He is with us. And when we choose to put our faith in God and believe in His Word and commit our lives to His Word and, 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 and hold on and cling to that eternal and everlasting hope, that we have been given through our Savior. 
and we experience this unwavering, unchanging, never failing love. There's nothing that can separate us from him. The Savior was born, and it is through that birth that we know that the word has been fulfilled. It is through that birth that we can know that every promise would be fulfilled. It is through that birth that we can trust now fully, completely in his word, that God is who he says he is, and that he would do what he said he would do. And because of that, now I can, I can cling to an everlasting hope. See, faith is about, faith is about believing that it's already done. That's what faith is. Hope is clinging on to the thing that you know he's already done and believing that he'll continue to do it for your future. And this love thing is the reason for everything. And so my, my prayer for us as we leave and celebrate Christmas this week is that those three things would abound in our life. Faith, hope, and most importantly, love. And uh, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your, what your season's like right now. But our Savior who was born, the Savior that we're celebrating, he is who he says he is. And he will always be. And he offers every single one of us an everlasting eternal hope out of his love for us. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And God, I thank you that you gave your son, Jesus, the Savior of the world who was born in a manger, who came to us, came down to us. We thank you for that sacrifice. We thank you for his life, and we celebrate his life today. And, um, and Father, I pray that as we leave this place, as we begin to celebrate Christmas, I pray that those three things would abound in our life. Faith, hope, and most importantly, love. That over the, the course of the next couple of weeks as we head into the new year, that we would be reminded of how much you love us. And from that place, we would seek to love others with that same love. Knowing that the gift that you gave to the world wasn't for us to hold on to for ourselves but you gave that gift so that we would share it with everyone because Jesus is the hope of the world. We love you. And we bless you this morning.